And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100%. And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. Well, we promised a question and answer with the fans, and that's what we are here to do to deliver upon our promise. This is a special edition of the Weighing In Podcast where you get to ask the real punk Josh Thompson and me all the questions that you can come up with and see if we can answer them, which maybe we can and maybe we can't. We're going to find out. What's up, my man? John, I always have the answers, buddy. Oh, you know dude, that? yeah, but they're not right. Even if I got to make this shit up, I got the answers. There you, know you the go. <laughs> Fake it till you make it. That's what I'm All right, man. All right, let's go, Dave. Give us a, let's give us a Q and A. Just jump right. right in. First question comes from Goran Orellana, who asks for John. Although you are where one of the best refs in the game, everyone makes mistakes. Is there a particular fight you ref that was maybe your worst stuff up in terms of stopping it too early or too late, etc.? Can I? Can, 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 hello, hello. <laughs> I, look at. You know, the part that cracks me up about my career is most of the stuff where people come up and say, oh, you screwed up this. Yeah, it was 20 some years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you're going to have mistakes and stuff. And, and it's because we were learning at the time. I, you know, I, I screwed up the uh, Sakuraba versus Conan fight, but there was a whole lot of things that went with it. And I was told to get him out of there quick because they didn't want him to get hurt. Because at the time, the UFC was in a lot of problems with people wanting to shut it down. And they said he, the, the guy's a pro wrestler he doesn't know anything we just had to throw him in there but he actually could fight we you know i didn't know who he was at the time so screwed that one up but the one that the main one that i learned a huge lesson from was matt lindland against Murillo bustamante that was at uh, i want to say ufc 37 or so somewhere right in there but uh lindland tapped i saw him tap i thought i went to stop it and immediately he was going i didn't tap and i touched him and i was like ah and i listened to him and i made a huge mistake and at the time the rules said that if you stop the fight you had to put the fighters back to their corners so i had to pull them up and put them back to their corners which was horrible but now i'm following the rules and restarted the fight and luckily bustamani won because he should have won and that was the biggest screw up that i ever made a lot bigger than a headbutt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Depends on who you are in that scenario. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what right. else you got? How would you and like then... to be pulled out of an arm bar? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I would fucking murdered you. I'd oh, so yeah. mad at you. I'd have been so fucking mad. Uh, oh, shit. Same, pe- same person for Josh. Hypothetically, who would have been your dream fight for the UFC lightweight title? Although you're good friends with the best to pg and khabib would it have been one of them or another great as you wouldn't want to fight your friend maybe the money fight against connor i know who it would have been yeah it would have been pettis i think there you go yeah it would have been pettis only based on the fact that it like he won the title it should have been it should have been it should have been that um that would have probably been my fight only based off i knew that i knew that i could beat him especially at that time after my nate performance i knew how to beat him and i was prepared and then also um, when the fight was canceled, I thought, okay, cool. We're just going to wait. I'll have some more time, you know, to, you know, to get prepared for it. And it just didn't, it didn't, never came to fruition. I even asked for it even later on and just never came about. Um, the, and the Donald Cerrone fight, those were the two guys that I always asked for because all I ever heard was, man, Josh is coming back to the UFC. It's going to be great. We're going to see him fight Pettis. We're going to see him fight Cowboy and never, and that was never even offered him. You know, I wasn't offered Cowboy at all, ever, and I really wanted that fight. And I had a lot of respect for both those guys, man. Both great fighters. Just never happened. I would say those are probably my one. Fighting uh, Connor wasn't, he was really relatively young when I was around. I really didn't look at it that way. I don't know. I don't know. It wasn't anything. I thought maybe even an Eddie fight, because I always respected Eddie. Um, he was a dog. I loved watching him fight when he was with Bodog. I loved watching him fight when he was, you know, with Bellator. So um, just a stud all the way around. So those guys, those are probably my, those are my three. Next question is from Jeff Weary, who asks for John going into refereeing 
uh, a fight do you always do research on each fighter for uh, beforehand does the knowledge you have on them change the way you would react well in the cage example letting Eddie Alvarez fights go a little longer because he always seems to have crazy come back from behind wins after nearly getting finished hashtag and still yeah you're absolutely right Eddie was a guy that you knew was a guy that would end up getting hurt in the fight but always managed to get himself back and the, I always say the more knowledge you had the better you were going to be and so I would take a look, unfortunately, with, you know, athletic commissions, they don't let you know what fights you're going to do. The only way that you knew what fight you were going to do is if you were refereeing in Nevada, Nevada, and they had a championship fight, would have the commission approve who was going to be the officials for that. So you would know ahead of time if you were going to do a championship fight, which you know those guys anyways, but, you know, yeah. it does help. But I always would go over the entire uh, – card and look at guys that I knew and ones that I didn't. And if I didn't know someone, I would try to go and look up fights and see where I thought that they were strong, where I thought they were weak. And it would help me have an idea, but you know, you can't always guys improve and guys change. So you can't always go off of what they did in the past, but yes, anytime that you could have knowledge about a fighter, it could help you in allowing a fight to go on when you might be thinking of stopping it based upon seeing what that guy has done in the past and how he's pulled himself back. Knowledge is power. And next question for Josh and John from K804. What are your guys' takes on the oblique front leg sidekick technique? Personally, I feel fans only say it should be illegal when guys like John Jones use it, but when others use it, it should be legal. What's your opinion? I think it should be remain legal. We've talked about this a bunch of times. <clears throat> I don't like the kick at all, but it's got to stay legal. I don't like it. I, I would love for it to be removed, but the problem is, though, it needs to stay in the game because it, it's it's effective. It's it's shit, but it, it is what it is, man. It's, it's part of – it's just part of the sport. There's nothing – there's nothing – I don't know how – I don't know how – how would you pitch an argument to have it removed? Like, it's it's a kick. <laughs> it's like – I mean, it's it just – it's got to stay in the sport. It could ruin someone's career. It could. It'll blow their knee out. Yeah. It'll ruin it. That's what I hear yeah. all the time. Yeah, yeah. It could. Yeah. <laughs> it could. So could that so, kick to the head. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. the same shit. Let, here, let me, let me break this down as much as I can. I, I've, I have fought against this. I have you know, had more people in more positions of power tell me how that kick needs to be illegal. But they're absolutely 100% okay with Josh Thompson taking his shin and kicking it upside the forehead of Nate Diaz. And that's okay. Okay. Because, oh, that's good. It's like, you're going to tell me that that kick's dangerous, but that kick is not. All right. You're being ridiculous. You don't like something because you don't like a look. What I'm going to tell you is this fighters practice all the time to learn how to stop a high kick, a kick towards their head. Now, you're going to see guys that will do one hand a lot of the time. And I will tell you, not a real smart way, but better than not blocking it at all. But you're still going to eat a lot of the kick, but it's not going to hit your dome. But you're going to feel the impact of the kick. Two hands, Dutch block, much better. Yeah. But you got to bring that other hand over. But it's going to definitely take the impact of the kick away. So you're not going to get hurt at all. But I'm going to give you a fight. Go back and watch. Robert Whitaker fights Israel Adesanya. And in that, there's a, there's a time where Whitaker really tries to use that oblique kick, and he comes at Adesanya hard. And Adesanya makes him pay for it because he's a trained fighter that has trained for that type of kick and knows the counter, and he makes Whitaker eat it. Okay? Whitaker misses because he steps back with the leg, and all of a sudden he's got a high kick coming in or he throws a left hook and blasts him every time. That's what you do when you have a technique that you think can cause you a problem. I can tell you long ago, you know, when I was sparring with the Gracies and Hoist getting ready, Hoist used to throw that oblique kick all the time, and, and I was always jumping back, always jumping back and figuring out. It was like, screw that. I'm going to blast him with a, the first time I threw a right hand. Boom, doom, there he goes. It was like, Oh, I know what to do now. I need to have my knee in a certain position. 
I have to do certain things to make it to where he doesn't want to do that again. Everything in fighting has a counter. Everything has a defense. If you allow someone to kick your knee while you leave your leg straight, you're going to get hurt. If you allow your head to be there for someone to high kick it, you're going to get hurt. Fighting hurts people. It's dangerous. There's a lot of things that go on in it. But to sit there and say, oh, we need to make that technique illegal? Bullshit. There's too many things out there that are a lot more dangerous than that kick that you're not talking about making illegal. Yeah, because I'm in the same breath of saying that kick should be illegal because I visibly can see what effects it has. Yes. The head kick, you can't visibly see. You know the guy gets knocked up, the guy gets up, walks probably to the back, and we don't see anything, you know, because we don't see the the concussion protocols and stuff that go on back there. But there's... I'm also someone that have a case for knees to the head to the ground an opponent. So, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? But I would advocate for that, too, but it's not going to work. Yeah. I mean, it's just... The, the simplest it's, thing is, is, is let, let's make it as simple as we can. Josh, I'm going to give you, I say this to people all the time, I'm going to give you a choice. I am going to throw an oblique kick towards your knee that you can't block, okay, that you're going to have to eat, or I'm going to throw a kick up to your head that you're not going to block, that you're going to have to eat. Which one are you going to take? Yeah, I'll take the leg. There you this go. That's true. Yeah. Small, well played. Very well put that way. Thank you. Uh, what else you got, Dave? John the Conqueror asks, Dear John, remember that oh, one Oh, damn, time... I thought you were talking about me for a second there, Dave. John the <laughs> John the Conqueror. The Conqueror. All right, let's go. Dear John, remember that one time in an early UFC when the guy stepped in the other guy's face after the ref stopped it and you jumped into the octagon to handle the situation? What did you say to the guy? His attitude changed real quick. <laughs> Boy, you have a memory. That was Tony Froiklin. And uh, that was Tony Froiklin before he was with the Militich Fighting Systems and Pat Militich and them. And he was a young kid. And uh, it's funny. Joel Gold has a picture. At that time, I was I was really big and strong. And I picked him up under the arms. And I had his feet were off of the ground. And I, I put him over to the, the cage. He should have just punched me. But I told him, I said, I mean, it was very simple. I said, hey, you want to be a goddamn champion, start acting like one. Mm. What you just did, that's bullshit. And he, he, he immediately said, I, I, I'm sorry. He, I, I, I said, don't do that. You're embarrassing you. You're embarrassing everybody in this sport. We got enough problems. And that was really what I told him at the time. And it was, um, yeah, he's a great guy. I love Tony Franklin. Great guy. Great guy. I, and thank God I picked picked him to do that with because he was very nice he didn't do anything bad to me right that was uh you know for a long time joel goal had that picture and he would send that I, I asked him please do not you know put that out there because it it shows his feet are off the ground and it just looks bad and it was yeah. bad by me to do it i would have you know hopefully done something a little bit better now but at the time i was just trying to control him and, and get his attention well, you've so. matured a lot over the years. Yeah, a little I mean, bit. Just since I've known you, you've matured quite a bit. So, <laughs> but, but yeah, you couldn't. Uh, and Tony has had, you know, he had some great fights. Uh, he said he had some, you know, big loss. He had, he had the loss to Anderson Silva. It was just horrible. Giant crack down his face from an elbow and stuff. But great guy, tough fighter. Really uh, couldn't ask for a nicer guy. Yep. Next question Next. is from Just Singh. Uh, who asks, what do you think about Henry Cejudo calling out Volk? And if Henry were to win the fight, wouldn't that be three belts and three different weight classes for him? And great podcast, guys. He'd be the first guy to ever do it. Three different weight classes. Um, <clears throat> look, he's been removed a little bit too long yeah. to throw him right back into that title shot. But that's a fight that How I've always not said that I, that I would really like to see. I've always thought that I think stylistically they match up very well. I think Henry out wrestles him to death. Oh, and I think Henry's not even get close. It. Yeah, it's not even close. Um, Henry can control him on the ground, on the feet. I give it to Volk, uh, but Henry's no slouch on the feet either. And so uh, Volk does a lot of kicking, whereas Henry doesn't do as much kicking. Henry's got, I think, probably um, a little bit tighter boxer boxing, but I think Volk's probably got the power. Yep, and so like you're putting those things together, it's like it makes just for a really fucking fun. God fight. dang it, Josh Thompson, man! I don't even have to say anything. That was beautifully put. 
I'm on fire today, You're, John. Dude, you were all over that. You were <laughs> right down the fire. line. Everything you said, I agree with. I think you have to, though. You have yeah. to. If he came back, if the UFC could sign that fight, you've got to put him in that title fight. He was the 125-pound champion, became the 135, gave up the 125-pound title, defended the 135-pound title. How do you not allow him to go and take that fight? Uh, yeah. I, I we were would, just talking I, that's... about who you're going to put. Henry Cejudo would be beautiful. He would be perfect, man. He would be perfect. I just think stylistically it makes for a great fight. Yeah. Like the two of them together, just I think it's going to be guaranteed fireworks. I mean, Henry's given up the size for sure um, and the, probably maybe even the strength. But technique, the technique of the wrestling, the timing, and the speed, I'm going to have to give it to, to Henry. You know, so he's just got to – I hope he's still training. I hope he's still – because he does a lot of shit on Twitter. So if you're <laughs> if you're flopping your mouth this much, buddy, I hope you're training a little bit here. So I know he's got his baby coming soon, so he's probably trying to set up a college fund for right after that. <laughs> so, next. Watch out asks, hypothetically, you're in charge of the UFC and you have to cut one fighter from the top five in each division. Which fighters are you cutting? For the oh sake God. of time, let's uh, make it three divisions. I was going to give you, sake of time, we'll make it three. Okay, which three are we making? You have to I have, cut to, cut, I have to cut top a top five. fighter from where? From top hmm. five and across right. three divisions. So are we say which three divisions are you picking? Let's say featherweight, lightweight, and middleweight or welterweight. Okay, so featherweight, featherweight right here, top. Five. All right, okay. I'm cutting Yair Rodriguez. Thank you. <laughs> All right, that was easy. easy. John and right. I can agree. <laughs> lightweight, you got top five right here. I'm cutting Ooh. Tony Ferguson. He's not in the top five. I love Tony. He's, he's not, not in the top, top five. five. He's number six. Oh, he's not in the top five. Oh no. shit! Damn it! You just screwed me. Well, we all know who Josh is cutting. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Michael fucking Chandler. See you later, son. It's been a pleasure doing business with you. I'm going to have to cut Islam Makachev just so Josh blows his <laughs> mind right now. I'm just kidding. You're out of your um, gosh damn I would mind. be out of my goddamn mind. <sighs> you know what? I, I would just go off of, man, I would say Michael Chandler or Benil. It's a tough one. Over Justin? Yeah, because... Dude, he look. He is the human. He, the dude yeah. fights every time. But and that's what I, yeah, I I really look at it and why, why I'm saying. But it, if I was gonna say who's the who's the more uh, explosive fighter, who's the more dynamic fighter, Michael Chandler or Benil, it's Michael Chandler. And yeah. so I I really want usually to keep that guy over the guy that gets the win but is not as explosive. So, but I love Benil. So, so that I don't I don't want I don't want to give up on either guy. But all right, welterweight. Yeah. Well, to uh, it was an easy decision for me. Fucking Michael Chandler, cut. Easy. <laughs> Next, what's right, that? Your top five, top five for the welterweight division. That's simple for me. It Who is. Are you getting rid of? Who am I getting rid of in the top yeah, five? I got mine. <sighs> oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say that. That John's gonna get rid of Colby Covington. Yep, I am. <laughs> I'm just okay. Oh, John's gonna get rid of Colby. Uh, I would probably get rid of Vicente Luque. Oh no. Yeah, I probably would. Okay, Look, name I, me. Would, hold on. Name me a bad fight he's been in. I, but here's bad the thing. fight. He doesn't translate in term. And I, look, I would say it's between him and Don't Leon. Don't you talk about his Portuguese and English? No, no, it doesn't translate. That was translate. Well played. No, he, him and Leon. Leon doesn't translate either to fans. And Vicente, no. he's relatively unknown. He's in the but top Colby five. But there's not a lot of ho- not a lot of hype around him. Colby does. If I'm talking about marketability, and I was in charge of the UFC, it would be I'd keep Colby because he is he talks. He's a talking mouthpiece. Obviously, yep. Usman is the champ. Yeah. Um, Steven Thompson's on that border too. We're like, yeah. he's already well, fought. He's thirty the, the years older. The reason I would pick Steven, just age. Yeah, that's it. That would be the only reason. That'd be the only reason. Yeah, but with Vicente and with him. Leon, they just don't translate to 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 views. Yeah, like in terms of marketability, they don't translate. They don't. Dude, I they love don't tune in to watch. Them. I will watch a Vicente Luque fight any time. Yeah. That dude is always putting on shows. He's fun to watch. I love it. I love watching. It. it sucks that we had to cut some people, but I, mean, I know I don't like that. It was, it's a bad the lightweight thing. division was easy for me. But, <laughs> <laughs> next, uh, next one from Jason Michaels. Hashtag and still BGM. Y'all have mentioned your involvement in Bellator fighter meetings several times. What exactly are they? What is your involvement? And do you do all promotions do them? 
fighter meetings are for us to talk to the fighters. It would be, uh, the people that are sitting on the fighter meetings are the announcers. So if it was a Mauro Ronaldo, Josh Thompson, Jen Brown, producers will sometimes sit in. Uh, executive producer, producer. Um, that's really who they're for. And what we're there to do is, you know, talk to them about, you know, what they've been doing, how their camp has been, you know, where they see their opponent being strong, where they believe that they can take advantage of them, things like that. That's just basic stuff. It's, uh, it's the information that we might be able to use on the broadcast. Uh, most of the time, you know, fighters don't want to tell you a whole lot. You know, they're going to try to hold back on certain things, but sometimes you hear things from other people and then you kind of surprise them with what you ask them and they're like, Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah it's it's um you guys saw the diego sanchez and the oh, yeah. what joshua fabia, fabia thing that yeah. was those were like fighter interviews so the fighter comes in you have the press row you've got another press row you have people that work in that work like like megan olivi you've got like our, with jen brown with us you've got uh laura sanko like they're involved paul felder dc you know rogan never goes to him i would imagine i've yeah. been told he doesn't go to him but like you know that group you know you have that group anik they're there they it's really the moment for you to sit down with the fighter a couple of days before their fight they you know their weight's getting down you're wanting to see how much their weight cut is affecting them <clears throat> and have a real direct conversation with them and the more that you know the fighter the more next time we have the fighter meetings, they tell you a little bit more. And every time you meet with them, they tell you a little bit more because they feel now they, they feel comfortable with you. And on top of that, they also know that you're not going to go out there and blab it in terms of what they told you before the fight. You're going to use it to market them during the fight. And if I was to give any advice to any anybody that's trying to get into the commentary team or any of that type of stuff, it really just comes down to taking all that you can to make that fighter um, on TV the biggest fighter in the world. That's what you got to do. Like however you, whatever information they give you is to make sure that you can talk about them in such a highlight real type fashion when they're on TV. Then that's what I tell them. I say like, whatever you tell me, I'm only here on the, on TV to make you to, to be out, to be the, the number one star, to be the champ, to be the, the biggest threat to whoever you're facing, you know? And so my job is to market you and make you the biggest and the best fighter I've ever heard of or seen. So while being honest. While be while yeah, being honest. Yep. <laughs> All right. Next. next is from the Spartans who asks a question for both John and Josh. Uh, how do you think Colby Co- Colby Covington would do at one eighty five? How would he do against Izzy with his cardio and wrestling? He could knock the fuck out. <laughs> he would get knocked the fuck out. Izzy would fuck him up. It wouldn't even be a f- he's he's not a fast striker. His striking is garbage like you know i mean don't get me wrong like he's got a lot of output but there's no power behind him that's the big you know and that's the other thing like izzy would have no concern that that what you saw with anderson silver vitar belford that would happen all like you just keep lifting colby up just to be knocked out again lift him up like it wouldn't even he wouldn't be able to get in on on izzy's legs i I don't izzy was he's just too long he's got too much power too dangerous yeah, way too dangerous. It's precise. The different the difference in striking when you're looking at to 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 say that Colby couldn't take Israel down, he could. You know, he, he could actually he, there's it's not an impossibility. He That's could definitely true. get the takedown. You're but, fishing there, buddy. You're fishing. But well, I'm I'm being honest <laughs> here. But to get to that position is you've got to face that danger and that danger he's going to face with Kamaru Usman is there with the striking, but Kamaru Usman's striking is not Israel Adesanya's striking. And, and we've been talking about how Kamaru has been getting better and better. He's never going to be at the level of Israel. Israel showed you how dangerous his striking is when he, especially when he fought Paulo Costa, when he fought a guy that felt like he was a, a, a guy that was not going to try to take him down. He showed you what a true striker can do. Now, obviously, Colby would be working to, to take him down, but he's going to end up the size difference at six foot four for Izzy, and the length is going to cause Colby a lot of problems. And there speed. is a different, that's just what I was going to There is a definite difference in their speed. And it's not like Colby's going to be getting faster going up. And Israel is already faster than him. So I just don't see it as a fight that Colby would want. You know, not a good fight. Yeah. Here's the other thing. After you don't get one or two takedowns, 
Colby's going to be on his back foot. It won't be the same. He's going to realize that he's getting more tired and it's going to be harder and harder to try to get in on him. And then you just start fighting backwards and you're just taking bigger, harder, cleaner shots. And Izzy is so precise, man. So accurate with his striking. And it's and it's not going to be good. It would, it would be embarrassing. Yeah, not a good fight. Next, Next question comes from Martin LeMay. Would you support a rule that prevents a fighter that missed weight from receiving a win bonus and getting up in the rankings? Would you when you say win bonus, you're talking about a promotion. Uh, the UFC gives bonuses. That's not a win bonus. It's a bonus on performance. Because when we talk win bonus, the UFC has show money and win money. And to sit there and say that they cannot receive the win money, they're not going to fight. Yeah. They're not going to fight. So to sit there and say, you know, oh, we're going to cut that. They'll say, I'm I'm done. I didn't make weight. I'm out. They're, yeah, that's half your money. Because in the UFC, it's half and half normally. Yeah, the fifty fifty cut on it. Money. Well, you know the the thing that needs to happen with weight. You know, when someone doesn't make weight, the twenty percent doesn't doesn't affect some fighters enough. You know, and so more like fifty percent. So if you do, you get your win, but you're going to lose fifty percent of it. Now you've got a decision to make because you could be losing 50% plus, you know, not getting that win bonus. So you're really getting cut, you know, as far as, you know, how much you're going to make. It's a tough position. We've talked about, you know, Hey, you know, do we start, start the fight off with your down a point, you know, based upon so many uh, pounds that you missed it by or things like that. Cause you're, the person who made weight is at a definite disadvantage and it, it may not be so much as far as the weight itself. They're at a disadvantage that they had to suffer for that moment that maybe this person decided I'm not going to suffer for in making that weight. Making weight is be, never fun. And that could be about an hour. It can be oh, an hour yeah. of sitting in a sauna. Yeah. That could be more than an hour. It could be three, four hours. Yes. <clears throat> you know, sometimes what people have to remember is that your body stops sweating sometimes. You need <laughs> to give it some time to rest and relax, to rejuvenate regenerate water to get out of it and so there's been times where i said i've almost been in tears the night before you know weigh-ins because i I just quit sweating i still had like six seven eight pounds to go that's why that's why he was in tears because he was trying to lose more weight so he only figured out the only (laughs) way he could do is by crying by crying and spitting (laughs) (laughs) you know and so it's it's frustrating so you go back home you sleep you wake up in the morning and you're able to get some more water out of your body but there's moments where you know you spend hours sweating suffering like here but in that moment i had to go home and sleep just fucking miserable obviously upset but it was like miserable over the fact that i had to sleep through the night being you know depleted like that if someone gave up if i had just given up and said ah fuck it the next six pounds whatever i'll just take the hit the 20 percent, i'm good <clears throat> you know so i think it's got to be a per pound thing percentage yeah that's the I way I was, it, i've always looked at it. if you miss by a pound it's the 20 percent. Mm-hmm. you miss by two pounds going up to 30 or 40 percent you missed by three pounds there's there's a there's a definite percentage change based upon how many pounds you missed by yep and what about rankings you just stop someone going up in rankings no i don't think if you if you don't make weight you're not fighting in that weight class so how do you have a ranking in that weight class yeah you should be that makes it tough yeah that was that was the mckenzie dern situation right she was in the rankings and she had never made the weight but she had had like two fights or three fights and they had put her in the rankings already. And I was like, uh, yeah, it's kind of hard. Someone's like, hey, it's so funny because I can't remember what female fighter came. I was like, how is she even in the rankings? She's never actually made the weight to fight in this weight class. Like, so how is she in the rankings? But then uh, now she's a stud. She's, oh. you know, made the adjustments and absolute animal. Uh, next, Joaquin Luna asks for John, why aren't there any referees such as yourself inducted in the UFC Hall of Fame? Does Dana White not appreciate the history of referees in MMA or is it just a matter of time before we see referees get inducted? That You know, you're going to have to talk to Dana White about that one. It's a, <clears throat> the, the UFC's Hall of Fame is something you look at and you can say they at one time it was all fighters and they did the contributors uh, section or whatever they call it along with pioneers and to try to, you know, bring things in play. But, you know, if, if you are, uh, if you're on Dana's team, if you're, if you're one of Dana's guys, 
you can have an average career and you're in the Hall of Fame. Or and if you're not one of his guys and you have a great career, you might not be in the Hall of Fame. So uh, a true Hall of Fame is not done by – I can't say that. I don't want to say it's true. Most Hall of Fames, when you look at them, there's – and I, this goes against what we just talked about before on a podcast is, you know, it's done by – you know, Baseball Hall of Fame is done by the writers. But then again, writers, you know, sometimes they get stuff wrong too. But it's – they have it with so many that, you know, you take a look and, you know, Pete Rose not being in the Hall of Fame, you know, you look and you go, eh, get too personal on it. I don't worry about it. It doesn't doesn't uh, matter to me, and I don't think about it ever until someone asks a question like that. So, yeah, if I uh, ever get asked, yeah, it's all good. They uh, they asked Frank Shamrock and he turned it down. Turned it down. Yeah, I think that's uh, part. I think that I think that's so. The person who used to be in charge of it kind of put out there that that was the problem with me they were afraid i would turn it down why i, mean, I don't think you were I don't, you don't seem like you're that salty i'm not good at it. it's like <laughs> you're not a salty person it, well uh, the funny the funny part everybody's got this thing about oh you're against the ufc i love the ufc yeah i will I'm always love the, the ufc way. yeah it's, it's I, don't, I don't know where people get that but you know that's just perceptions about you said something and they took it wow. a certain way don't worry about it yeah when you say when you say one thing bad about something, all of a sudden now you're against it. No, no, that's not actually how it works. No. I just don't. I wasn't against, I was I against that. Don't one like thing. what they did there. Yeah, that's it. So like, I'm being honest. Not, yeah. Uh, oh, all right, next. Liam Myth asks, if someone hits a body lock takedown with their head tightly pressed against their opponents and after the takedown lands, the contact between heads and the canvas cause a knockout, is it considered a headbutt finish? No, if you have no, if you have no uh, separation from the heads, and my head is against Josh's head, and we all know that I have a much harder head than Josh. Yes, we okay? do. Because he's always saying I'm a hard head. Yeah. <laughs> but my head is against Josh's, and in that body lock, I never move it away, and he gets knocked out, but there's not that separation and then impact. It's not a strike. It, could it have an effect in him being where his head doesn't move and that actually – sure it is. But if there's no separation, then there's no clash of heads. That's just part of the takedown. So there has to be separation and then that impact for it to be a unintentional headbutt or intentional, depending upon the way it's called. See, that's another thing. John, I actually – always thought it would be considered a headbutt so i always write the like right as the fighters started to go down i would pull my head away so i didn't yeah. hit my head against them no thinking that shit if he does like sure i'd like to do the damage but if he does get knocked out and they go back and they're like oh it's from a head clash or headbutt or your head hitting his jaw it's done like you gq and i was like fuck so i always try to like separate myself no I, I love the body lock takedowns oh it's great with tito ortiz uh, when he fought Evan Tanner, Evan Tanner, go back and look and look at where his head's at, but there's no separation. There's mm -hmm. never that moment where there is an actual, you know, clash. It's his head doesn't allow Evan's head to have any room and it comes down with it, but there's no, so it's legal. You can go back and look at, uh, Rampage Jackson did the big fucking uh, slam. slam on Ricardo Arona. And not only was the slam, you know, impactful, his, as his head bounced up, their heads clashed. Mm. So there was an unintentional clash, but that actually cut Rampage because it was his mouth, uh, the bottom teeth cut Rampage right along his, his uh, eyebrow there. So you you can have the difference. But, you know, I guess I, a lot of people, I, I had uh, someone that's, you know, high in the sport ask me uh, on uh, uh, a text just the other day, you know, look, can I take my knee? and slide it onto my opponent's face. Yes, you can. Okay, you can take your knee and, and put it. What you can't do is drop your knee onto your grounded opponent's face. You have to put it there, slide it on there, and then you can put as much weight on top of it as you wish, but there can't be that impact. We're looking for the impact. Yeah, you can step on the face. Well, yeah, you can, you you can, yeah, you can you put can your just... foot on it foot on it and then i can just start to push down and pull yes. up at the same time like absolutely that. yeah 
Next. Next question from Stupendous Sports asks, uh, Hey Josh, if you can have one last fight in the UFC today, hypothetically, who would it be? Someone long and lanky? <laughs> so no no actually i don't want to fight those long and lanky guys it's gonna be john i don't want to fight the short i don't want to fight exactly <laughs> exactly i smash that guy every chance i get uh, it'd be an john elevator Norton. match yeah we're, we're gonna make it instead of a ladder match we're gonna make it an elevator match i think we've got that <laughs> call hr <laughs> um <laughs> I'm inside gonna, joke inside yeah, joke yeah sorry guys i can't tell you um i'll tell you <laughs> who no no you will not tell them um i think uh i think right now man i i don't if i was to pick a dream like i don't even want to fight that's the thing i have no desire to fight anymore i don't even want to have a conversation about who i'd want to fight because i don't want this to get stirred up into being oh josh said he could beat this guy no no that's not what i'm i don't even want to fight <laughs> if i but if i had to do like say you're saying like a very hypothetical is I would probably say like I would say like maybe like a Connor only based on the fact because I know it's gonna bring money. That's it. So, like a lot of money. That would be the only and like that would be it. That's and if I had to pick somebody, I'd probably fucking maybe pick a female because maybe I have a chance to win at this age. Mm. <laughs> like that's it, man. Like I don't I don't have any desire to fight anymore. So when I start thinking about oh you said like oh if it's hypothetical you could pick a fight. I don't really even. I don't. Even, I don't want. I walk past the cage now. I hear those guys get hit, and I'm like, "Yeah, fuck that! I can't believe I did that shit for so many years. It's crazy." All right, next. Next one is for from Warren Moya uh, for Josh. What is the one move technique you wanted to finish a fight with that you never got to execute? Oh, that's a good question. I like that one. Uh, he wanted to hit the twister. No, no. <laughs> I just knew it wasn't reliable. It was like so sweaty. It's so kind of easy to wiggle out of in that position. I mean, uh, you know, I don't know. I never really had like a a technique that I really want. I, I, I finished people with triangles, arm bars, guillotines. I mean, rear nakeds. I mean, I finished, I had a lot of finishes in side chokes. Oh, fuck, I'm trying to think jujitsu wise. I mean, fucking everything. Almost everything I thought of. Like, yeah. Um, there wasn't really anything specifically that I would have liked to have finished somebody with. Is it just talking about submission wise? Uh, move technique, move yeah, slash move technique. technique. No, I have a head kick. I have a couple head kick knockouts. A pace choke. A no. buggy choke. Come no. on, you gotta no. pick something. Nah, you know what? This Headbutt. is the thing. If you go back, there's a fight. <laughs> there's a fight of mine. I would have loved to finish a fight with a headbutt. Um, no, <laughs> you did one of one of my fights. <laughs> One of my fights was it was one of the most devastating knockouts. I, I, it was I would say it's the most devastating knockout I ever had. I fought this kid who was from Arizona. I believe he wrestled Arizona State. Uh, his name was Jason Abijan, short, like stocky, wrestler, like buff kid. Came out. I fought him in Arizona. I dropped him with the right hand when he hit the ground because he was kind of already he's kind of like went down just like limp. But when he hit the ground, he bounced off the the canvas. And right at the moment, his body was probably only about, I'd say, two inches off the ground. But his whole body was off the ground. And at that moment, I hit him with a shin kick across the face. So he wasn't a grounded opponent, but I felt bad afterwards. But it was like, if I was to think in terms of like, if it was, a, it was if I look at a highlight reel knockout, that's the one. I hit him while he was against the ropes. He literally fell. And as he fell, I was already throwing the kick. I was trying to catch him on the way down, but I was so slow that he actually bounced, and then I hit him on the bounce up. Don't put yourself in that position, man. Make it big. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that, so that, real... that, that was that was the that was the fight that I'd say was the biggest. Granted, fighter wasn't a real back in the eighties, though, was it? In the eighties, <laughs> I think oh. I, I'm gonna so I'm gonna pick that Josh would have loved to have finished a fight with a spinning back. Yeah, yeah, I wish one of them would have tried. <laughs> I tried. wish that fight would have ended with this spinning back fist. that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, fuck that spinning fucking back fight. Finish, man. That would have been awesome. It's so funny that people talk shit because I'll post, I'll post like, people will post about the Nate fight and then I'll just repost it, you know, because like, hey, thanks, sir. I appreciate the support. And people are like, oh, you still talking about that fight? Oh, you got knocked out by Eves Edwards. That shit was happening seven years ago. I was like, yeah, the Eves Edwards fight fucking happened 20 years ago, motherfuckers. <laughs> like, like, what are you? You're bringing up a fight that happened years and years, like fucking almost 10 years before that. Yeah. 
Anyways, this is funny. I had to rap for a second. Next. <laughs> Next question uh, for Big John comes from Ghost for Big John. Over all your years of an interacting with fighters in and out of the cage, who's the undisputed NMF nicest MFR? Oh my God! There, there's been so many that are just great people. Um, it's just to take and put it into one. You know, one of the guys that's considered one of the nicest MFs is Stephen Thompson. He is. Mm-hmm. What a yeah. just a one of you know that's why i didn't want to put him off on the list because i like him so much even though mm-hmm. i was just gonna go off of age which is wrong because then i'm being discriminatory even though i'm way older than him but <laughs> it's he's a great person so he's he's super nice but i i can i'm just telling you 98 percent at least are great guys yeah. then you'll get the two percent that are like josh thompson you know hey <laughs> you know no one likes them okay no i'm just kidding you know uh, seriously it's about 98 percent great guys yeah and, th- and then you'll get the one that you go all right i see the i see your gimmick and i like the fact that you play it out and in reality you're a really good guy you know? yeah and, and it's uh it's fun to watch those guys i i don't i didn't have you know a real problem with you know most people but nicest guys, yeah, I would say Stephen Thompson was definitely one of them. Randy Couture was definitely one of them. BJ Penn, super yeah. nice, very quiet at the time, you know, when it, when I was roughing him and then got more bold. Um, man, who else? Phil Car- Davis. Car- Carlos Newton. Who? Phil Davis. Phil Davis, super nice guy, man. Yeah. I love Phil Davis. You know, just there's so many good guys out there, you know, and that are still now you know, coming into the sport and just, you know, doing things a certain way and competing and, and stuff. Uh, it's hard to pick just one, but I've been lucky enough to, to be part of a whole lot of really good people in the sport. Next question from Jeff Weary. For John, what's the most epic fight you've refed? Robbie Lawler versus Rory comes to mind. You know, that would be up there as one of them. That was a great fight, you know, and that was, a, you know, a longer fight, you know, four rounds, you know, Paul Daly versus Nick Diaz for for one round. Unbelievable fight. I had so many great fights that if you go back and you look at how lucky I was that I was able to be in the cage and, and be there. But, yeah, the, no, no doubt that the Robbie Lawler and, uh, you know, that fight against Rory, it was phenomenal. But, you know, John Jones against Alexander Gustafson the first time. You know, it just got put into the UFC Hall of Fame. What a great fight. I mean, unbelievable. I had so many. you know, And then I had so many that people didn't really get to see. You know, they were in different organizations and, you know, different parts of the world that, man, all of a sudden this fight happens and it's like, oh, my God, this is incredible. It's just with people that most you know, fans will not know or never get to see. But, uh I was lucky to be part of them. I'm just, but I'll go with the ones that people know. UFC, I will say, um, we'll go with Lawler and uh, and McDonald. I'll, I'll take that one over Gustafson and uh, and uh, Jones. The first strike force has to be the one round of of Diaz and Daly. For Bellator, yeah. has to be Chandler versus Eddie Alvarez. Oh yeah, so good. Fight. There you go. There's a couple. All next. right. Next from Michael Forty asks if Nick wants to return, should he fight someone like Cowboy? And with Robbie back in the win column, should he get a crack at Nate? Uh no. I don't want to see Nate fight. Nick Nick to me is the was more of the gold standard for for Robbie Lawler. I don't want to see the Nate fight. I think Robbie beats Nate. <clears throat> I think he beats him I think he beats him easily. Um I don't want to see that fight. I think the um, Nick, if he does fight, if he does fight again, I don't know. I don't know who he should fight, to be honest. I mean, if you pull up, if we're looking at this rankings here, I don't even know if I'd give him anyone in the top 15. Mm. You know? I mean, like, you get in there. Sean Brady's tough as well, fuck. No, there, there's Neil, got- Bala Muhammad, Neil Magny. I mean, like, these guys are nasty good. Yeah, but hold on. You, you could... There, there's fights in there that you could look and say, that's a good fight. It's a, you know, an interesting fight, you know, between, you know, Nick, let's Michael Chiesa. Yeah. But John, that's also, let's, let's go back. This is at 185, 
Not 170. Well, I don't know. Is it going to be at 185 or is it going to be at 170? I don't that's know. That's the thing. That's the thing. Like, so what are we looking at? He didn't want you were to saying You to... were saying Neil Magny. That's a yeah, welterweight. Yeah. That's why. Yeah, I, was I know. Like... I was, but after I said all that, I was like, wait, they didn't even fight at 170. No, they, they fought, fought at 185. They fought at 185, but I think Nick would might. I don't know. I don't know if he'd go down. But, I mean, there's so many fights that you can look and say, you know, a Kevin Holland, you know, who's going to be fighting coming up. Tough fight. <sighs> Speed, power. The fight. I don't know, man. Uh, I would say if I was going to go in there, maybe a Darren Till, Kelvin Gastelum, that'd be fun. Like those ones would probably be fun. But the speed, I don't know. That's going to be the factor, man. The speed for him, he's slow. Yeah. He but I mean, the output is down. there, so those guys will slow down. Whereas he will keep it going. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Like it, I could see a Cerrone thing. You know, maybe 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 Masvidal. You know, Masvidal would fight him. I think in any weight wouldn't care. George is just that guy, you know, and that's a big name. Like I beat your brother, now I'm gonna beat you. That kind of thing. But <laughs> I think know. Masvidal would be, but see, that's 170 again. Yeah, but I think George would go up to 85 to fight him. Yeah, George don't give a shit. He's talking about, he's talking about money. He's like, oh, I was fighting in the backyard for fucking couple thousand dollars. He's like, fuck this. What are you talking? About? He used to fight in the backyard for yeah. fucking fifty bucks. You know what I mean? So he's like, yeah, you're going to sign me up, fight Nick Diaz at, at 185? Whatever, man. Yeah. <laughs> Next. All right. Uh, where were we? Where were we? Oh, yeah, there we go. Um, <laughs> Genghis Khan asks, considering Volkanovski fought at heavier weights before, would it be a good move to try lightweight, or is he just too small in size to compete there? Um... I don't know, man. I, he might be able to go up. I mean, he was a big guy before, so he knows how to handle his body. Yeah, you know, it was um, 200, 215, 220 pounds. Yeah, it was a big guy. I mean, they were showing pictures of him. Look like he was about, they said he was 300. I don't know if that's true. The picture didn't look like he was 300. Who, Volkanovsky? Like, yeah. There's no way. Yeah, they said he was about 300 pounds. Yeah, I doubt it. Yeah. He doesn't have the frame for 300 pounds. But that's the media. The media said <laughs> Volkanovsky. Thank you very much. Pounds. Yeah. All right. Anyways, um, yeah, I don't know. I I would like to see him go up, but if if I was to pick a guys like pick guys for him to fight at that weight class, like a Gaethje, uh, Chandler, you know, like that type of fight. I mean, I think he'd have a hard time with Charles Oliveira, just the wrestling aspect, or the jujitsu aspect of it all. Is, is I nasty. don't know. I just saw him work his way out of some good submissions, so I'm yeah. gonna go. You know, Volkanovski. That guy's pretty hard to submit. Yeah, no, he is. He is, but he also put himself in a lot of those positions too. Yeah. So uh, and ch- yeah, I, the size, the oh, all the size. I, I'd be like, well, I'd Charles, like to see him. Char- Charles used to fight at featherweight. Yeah, that's true. I would like to see that run. I want to see him finish out. Like if Zabit comes back, I want to see him fight Zabit. I want to see him fight like one or two more fights at this weight class. After he beats out on that, because I, I I have no interest in watching him fight Max again. Honestly, I just yeah. don't. I want to see him fight somebody else. If Max wants to stay at 45, great. But if, if he was to go up, I'd like to see him do it after, like, a Zabit fight or whoever else is in that weight class. There's one other guy in there that I'm forgetting right now. But, yeah, somewhere in there. That's it. What else? Next, Next question um, from Joaquin Luna. Did I read this one already? Which fighter do you guys see as the Tom Brady of MMA, a fighter who can compete well in his 40s and still win championships? I think the mm. game uh, the game is different now, John. The oh, yeah. the days of the Randy Tours and the Anderson Silva's fighting until they're older, I think that's done. I think the newer generation of these young fighters, they're they've got to be in their prime. This is a this is a different what you're gonna see right now is the sport is gonna plateau right now because the younger generation, those guys from twenty four to thirty two to thirty three, they're gonna own the sport. That that's their prime. That's their physical prime where they are becoming men they're no longer boys they're men they're they're learning their bodies they're understanding how to diet nutrition they're making money they're taking care of their families they're doing all these things that come along with being a a responsible athlete you're seeing that and so i I think it's going to be this is what the sport's going to be now kind of how like the nfl is like hey look we're not drafting we're not drafting running backs high anymore because we know we can get a good running back in the second and the third round. And the prime for a running back is from, like, say, 22 to 28. And they start getting rid of them then. First, for the sport of MMA, it's that 26 to 24, 26, up to 33, 34. 
you know, and then they, that's their time frame. And I think, I think the sport is, is evolved now to the point where this is where it's going to be for a while. You know, um, these younger generations, Roy McDonald was kind of like the first ones. He really never, he really just came up training MMA and he became a phenomenal fighter. That's what's going on. These kids now, I mean, I've got a ton of kids training jiu-jitsu at my gym. Fucking good. Like really good, you know? And, um, there's, you see some of the other gyms, other top jiu-jitsu gyms, you know, um, the rule Tiller brothers, phenomenal, phenomenal jiu-jitsu. I mean, like this is not what the level was one years ago. <laughs> no. Like 46 and 41 and 48 year olds, and they're not, there's no sport. There won't be any room for them in the sport anymore. Yeah, it's uh, to, to get into the 40. Uh, uh, let's break it down real quick so, so we can make you understand why we say this. First off, when you're starting this sport, you've got to, you can't start this sport now late. Randy Couture started, he was 33 years of age. Okay, so when you take a look at how many fights he had, he didn't have. You know, he had about 30 fights. You know, it's he, he just came on the scene and he was so dominant with his wrestling and very good at game planning, very good with conditioning. So he was able to do very well in the sport based upon not everyone being good in a lot of you know areas. People were good in one area, sometimes two areas. But, you know, I think Yoel Romero is the closest thing to a Randy Couture that you would be able to find today, you know, at 44, trying to compete against Phil Davis. You know, it didn't work out for him, but, he, he, you know, he, it's not like he got beat up. He just didn't do enough in the fight for him to get a win. But even him, and you're looking at a genetic freak when you're looking at Yoel Romero. You know, at 44, he has burst of, the times where you can go, he's still fast. He has burst of speed. He has burst of explosiveness, but it, he can't sustain it because it just, you know, it takes too much out of you. you know, when you are in that position of being in the sport and you're like a John Jones and you're at a dominant position at about 25 years of age, you know, it's easy for someone on the outside to think, oh, you can just keep doing this, keep doing this, keep doing this. It's not easy as the person to continually put your butt into the gym, grind hard, try to be learning, and to get excited about doing this once again. You know, a lot of people think that it's a lot of fun to, to sit in front of the media. It's not. Okay, most guys don't like it because it's not fun because they, you know, sometimes the, the questions they ask are good questions and you don't mind answering them. And sometimes they're really fucking stupid questions and ones that you've heard and had to answer now for the last 10 years. And it drives you nuts even having to think about it or to answer it again, but you're doing it because this is your job and you're going to answer the question. And then you go through that and you, and it's not only the, the media things you're seeing, then you're doing interviews on the computer or on the phone and all of it takes time and all of it takes energy. And it just becomes something that is, not fun and all this starts to wear on you and your ability to get excited about being there just starts to wane and then it's when that starts to wane then your training starts to wane a little bit and it's just not an easy process to keep yourself at that upper echelon and to maintain that desire just starts to go away and i will and i'm just going to flat out say it your body changes and your mental outlook changes and what used to be fun all of a sudden starts it's not too much fun now it's how i make a living but it's not fun anymore and that changes the game too so there's a lot that goes into it i don't think you're going to see anybody in the 40 year old range being in the upper level as far as being champion yeah you got to remember though too as they get as fighters get older heavyweights would be your closest their responsibilities change and they're their out their outlook on life changes their kids are getting older they're missing out on baseball they're missing out on you know soccer they're missing out on birthdays whatever it is because they're training or because they're <clears throat> because they're traveling for a fight whatever it is there's a lot of things that come along with it and as a fighter gets older those things become more important than just the sport itself and you've seen fighters 
as they get older, it's not because they're not good anymore. It's because the the priorities have set in. Like, like Robbie Lawler still has it, but he just he, like he's got kids. He's got he's you know he's married. He's got a life. Like you see him start to kind of just pull himself away. He came back and got motivated for this fight. He didn't. He we haven't seen him look this good in a long time. No. Like look at his body. Look at the way he physically looked. He looked look at the way amazing. he performed. Look at yeah. When was the, the last output. time we saw him? Yeah, the output he had in that fight. Not even close. He hasn't, you know, had, a, so, he hasn't had a fight in years that has been that close as far as output. Yeah, and so when you're having that, like, you can see the priority change. His mental set was different for that fight. He knew that that was, and he even told Nick in the cage, he said, I appreciate you, man, coming back and bringing the best out of me. Motivated. That's important shit. You know, so as you get older and you hit that 40-year-old, 41, 42, your, your priorities in life change. You know, it's, it, sure, it, maybe training is still fun. But it's not as big a priority to you, though, as, as being at your kid's soccer game or your kid's, you know, birthday parties or whatever it is, making sure that you're part of the family, you know, gatherings and things like that. So those things change because I, I remember countless times, uh, three times, two, two was Thanksgiving and one was one was, one was Christmas that John Fitch and I were at AKA at a 10 o'clock at night on Thanksgiving Day doing cardio. Because we were basically missing Thanksgiving dinner. My whole family's there. It's like you you go there. What are you going to do? Be around food? You know you got to cut your weight. It's like two weeks before the fight. You're like, this sucks, man. You know? Sucks. I always tried not to take fights around that time. But sometimes they were in San Jose. And, you know, money is good. Didn't have a choice. <laughs> Didn't have a choice. Next. You know, with, all right. Couple, all right. We'll do a couple more. One, yep, one, yep. One, th one thing that needs to be brought up here is, though, is as the fighter, as the person that is there in the gym, you do get tired of the training the one thing you don't get tired of and that you crave and that you go there for is the camaraderie of all the other fighters that are in the gym with you those are your mm -hmm. brothers those are that's that's the fun part is yeah. the interaction and, and the time with those guys but the training itself it, it wears on you yeah all right a couple more Next one from uppercut cannon is brian ortega versus Oliveira the match we didn't know we needed I mean, I don't know. Brian is phenomenal on the ground. Um, Charles obviously phenomenal on the ground. I think on the feet, they're both good. I think Brian's probably hits a little bit harder. But I think at 155, where's the fight going to take place? I don't want to see Charles go back to 45 because he looks absolutely amazing at 55. And Brian, I know he could go to 55, but is he ready to go there now? I don't, it doesn't seem like he has a hard time making the weight. So I think they're just going to stay where they're at. It'd be a great fight, but they just stay where they're at, work it out. I look at it, you know, there's a couple things. Charles is not, in no way is he brittle, but he doesn't accept damage as well as Brian. Brian Brian's <clears throat> tough. Brian will take big shots and continue to come forward where it starts to wear Charles down a little bit more, and you've seen it in uh, prior fights. But right now he's fighting at a level that is way above where he's been in the past you know i look at it and say they're in, right now they're in two different weight classes if brian wanted to move up it would be a fight i would like to see it'd be fun i think brian as far as uh jujitsu wise along with charles he matches up well they're both outstanding there i think in the stand-up they're both outstanding there they're different i think brian takes shots big shots a little bit better than charles but i think charles is a little more diverse in the way he sets up his stand up a little bit more. And uh, it's a great, it would be a fun you know, matchup. I'd love to see it. I just not sure that that's what's going to come. And right now, Brian's not even close to being in a position for that fight to happen because yeah. he's on a loss and that's the champ. Yeah. <clears throat> D Canales asks, why do champions no longer walk out with their belt? Like they used to, is that the commission's call? No, it has nothing to do with it. Commissions have nothing to do with that belt. That's a per In MMA, the belt is a promotional belt. Uh, you know, when you're looking at boxing, you're looking the belt is a sanctioning body belt. It's the WBC, which is a sanctioning body, the WBA, the WBO, the IBF, all these, you know. And the, the thing that, you know, that's what separates boxing and MMA in a lot of ways because in boxing – it is illegal for the promoter to have any control over the belt. They have to go through the sanctioning bodies 
And the sanctioning bodies take money. They take money out of the fighter's purse. People don't think about this, but it's a lot of money. Okay, when you've got a big fight and it's for the WBC, you know, middleweight championship and Canelo is fighting for it, he's paying $200,000 out of his purse for the sanctioning of that fight by the WBC. $200,000. Yeah, he's making $35 million. I Yeah, I know. Shits. I know it doesn't bother him, but <laughs> that 200000 is ridiculous. It is. It is. So MMA, it's, it's not part of the Ali Act. So, yes, promotions are in charge of their belts. That's why the UFC can strip somebody and take the belt or can say, oh, we're going to do an interim title fight because they're the ones that control the belt. It's nothing. And they're the ones that have said this. I'm not the one that came up with this. But when they were, you know, put to the task, they said, well, it's just a ceremonial belt because, you know, people are trying to push them into a corner saying that, you know, that belt has a value and it does, it does have a value, but they were trying to keep themselves safe from what they were saying, but they're a promotion and they can have, you know, the fighter can walk out. I've seen fighters walk out with it. That's really, I think on the fighter. The thing to remember is the belt itself, as soon as the fighter steps into that cage, they have the belt. That means they're stepping in last. But as soon as they step into the cage, that belt right now is no longer theirs. It's up for grabs. Makes sense? Makes sense. Very interesting. Next. Very interesting. Next question is from uh, Thunderfist McBeefcake, who asks, if, if the ref ends a fight but has made an error, can it be a no contest? Sure it can, depending upon what occurs. You know, you can have uh, something like a headbutt, we'll say. <laughs> oh, the commissions uh, don't give a shit. They ain't no, you know, they, 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 in years they didn't. But in past, they did. You know, and I, I go all the time to Robbie Peralta versus Mack and Smizer, uh, who I, I did the fight. You know, there was a, a finish in it, They but couldn't see if you watch it real time you'll never see the head clash if you watch it in slow motion you can see the head clash and but it looks like it's a punch but it's actually their heads come together and it's actually robbie peralta that ends up with a a big old hematoma on his head but it hurt mackensmizer and put him down and you know that fight i went to mackens and told him hey go go uh contest it with the athletic commission i'll say that i missed it and uh, they overturned that one, but they didn't overturn yours. So there's there's no consistency in yeah. it is the problem. <clears throat> yeah, if, they don't want to look bad. If you wave it off, though, right, like you wave Josh's off because of TKO, can you make a judgment call in the moment to change your mind on how the fight is decided? If right, you so call you... it off, if you're calling off the fight, mm -hmm. you're not saying it was a foul. No, what he's saying though is this: is if if <clears throat> how you thought that it wasn't a headbutt that dropped me, you thought it was a punch, and then you saw it on the replay. Yeah, there's no way you could have walked over and just said, "Hey, it needs to be changed to a no contest at that moment." Is what no. I think he's trying to get to. No, I can't change that once it once once it's been called. Uh -huh. You can't go back and say, "Oh, we're going to change this now." And now you can with instant replay. Hmm. So if you had instant replay that you could go to and you say, I want to see instant replay. Yes, you can go back after calling and say, we're going to say this is a no contest. Yes. Got it. Last question from Chocolate Papi asks, should Bellator adopt the five rounds instead of three round main events? All right. So here's my take on this. And my take's been this for the longest time. <clears throat> I'm not opposed to the five round main events. What I'm opposed to is that every fight should be a five round main event. I don't believe that. I believe it should be for the number one contender spot. If you know that this fight is going to be whoever wins this fight's going to fight for the title next, I'm down to go ahead and have Bellator do that. I think it'd be great. Like, hey, you know that this fight, these two guys are the best two guys right now that should be fighting next for the title. That's the only time I would I would consider it. I think it's just another way, another shady way for promotions to get more action out of their fighters and take life take take time off their career. Is making them train for a five round fight, then making them fight a five round fight. If if I have a main event that is not, there's no title implications there. But like, sure, it's a great fight. I, sure, I'd love if me. I would love to see five rounds. Yes, but I also want to see those fighters fight a lot longer if they're good fighters. So I, I don't know how to look at it that way. I would rather just have the five-round fights for fights that are considered to be uh, main event, like uh, number one contender spots. That's it. 
I totally understand what Josh is saying as far as he's looking at it in the fighter's perspective of the more five-round fights I am part of, the shorter my career could be. Now, if they go five rounds, that's true. There's no doubt about it because they can definitely have their toll on you. But a three-round fight can have its toll on you too. Bellator has used five-round fights for their Grand Prix. They've done the featherweight Grand Prix where all the fights after the that one, the first. Well, when the title's involved, because they didn't do it with the heavyweight one because there was yeah. no title involved. But when exactly. the title's involved, everyone has to fight five rounds because the That's champ right. has to fight five rounds. The, exactly. So, you know, they've done it. I look and say, if you become a fighter that's a main event, yeah, I'd like to see it as a five-round fight. Uh, it just makes sense to me. It's uh, it's saying that you have been elevated into an, a different platform, a different echelon than everyone else, and that's something for people to look at and say, that's when you can ask for more. You're you're the guy that's that's headlining the shows, and but they're asking more of you. You know, the, I I kind of like it. I, I would like to see them do main events where they're five rounds. I guess, look, if I'm going to do that, though, if, I, if I'm going to lean that way, which I know that there is, there's an extra bonus in there, but the bonus has got to be more than what they're doing. Like, normally it's 25, sometimes it's 50,000, so 25 to $50,000 bonus if you're the main event. You know, so um, I, as long as that's in there and not just the, hey, we'll take care of you, that shit don't fly. <laughs> We've, I think... A lot of fighters have heard that shit and nothing ever comes. Never you go know? with, we're going to take care of you. Yeah. Don't go with that. Nope. I want to see it in riding. Doesn't work. Contract, so, all right. Well, Hey guys, uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed this Q and a that we did special show for you guys this week. John and I'll be traveling to London tomorrow. So we will, uh, see you guys when we get back next week's show. Are we still filming on Saturday. Cause I think we land back I here on Saturday. No, it's going to be a tough one. Yeah, we're going to have to see. So, you guys, that's why you guys hit the notifications bell to let you guys know when we drop our next show because there will be some um, international travel going on these next couple weeks for John and I. Could change stuff. Yeah, it could change, but it's like so There's the shows could be dropping in some different times. Go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Wayne in. Use the promo code and still pick up one of our shirts there. Also hit the subscription button, the subscribe this, button. Dude, what, what, what was that? Did the you subs- say? I'm getting tired, John. The- I'm getting tired. <laughs> I'm getting tired, bro. <laughs> uh, hit the subscribe button and the bell and the thumbs up as well. And leave a comment down below, too, to help with our algorithm, to help get it all out. Get help with our algorithm. Get that whole thing all out. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this show. And, John, take us away. The last thing I want to say to everyone, thanks for watching, and we will see you.